Hello and welcome into the Gotta Be Saints podcast. I'm your host, Brendan Gotta. Join me each week as I speak with future saints about being saints. Today's podcast is titled From Baptist to Catholic. I have with me Brantley Rutz. Brantley, how are you? I'm well. How are you? I'm doing well. So this is part two of our conversation. If you have an opportunity, check out last week's podcast. Brantley kind of shared his story, talking about how he joined the Catholic faith, how it's uh, just been an incredible last year as he joined the church just uh, last Easter vigil, and just the work that he's doing through social media. Um, so I highly suggest checking it out. For for part two, we're just going to kind of ask a couple different questions and basically a Q&A format. Before we get started, though, of course, I want to give a shout out to our sponsors. That is The Catholic Company. They are a one-stop shop for all your Catholic needs, from rosaries to books to clothing. The Catholic Company has it all. Use code GBS for 20% off your order. That's code GBS for 20% off your order. Also, do you like watching and learning about the faith in video format? I invite you to check out Good Catholic. They have over 30 digital series that are wonderful opportunities to grow in your faith and learn more. Use code GBS for 20% off your order. That's goodcatholic.com. Use code GBS. If you're looking for a Lenten devotional, they've got multiple, so check them out. All right, so as I said, we are here. Brantley shared his story in part one. He is a recent convert to the faith. It's been, uh, from what I can tell, a beautiful journey. And now I'm just going to kind of ask him a few questions, especially for some of you at home who are maybe in the same situation as he is or was. Maybe you're considering joining the faith or maybe you've just joined the faith recently and you still are figuring it out. I can tell you right now, I've been Catholic for 29 years and I don't have it all figured out. I'm still learning and it won't be until my last breath that I will have completed the race, as St. Paul says. But here we are talking about this. And so I'm just going to kind of throw a couple questions at him. And I hope that you at home gain something from this. So uh, the first question I want to ask you, Brantley, is you, you know, to, to join the Catholic faith is no small commitment. It's no small decision. I'm sure in a lot of ways, it's probably one of the biggest decisions you've ever made, you know, that including also uh, who you marry, you know, your vocation. But uh, was there a, were there any tough barriers you felt like that you could never overcome um, when it came to the, maybe just the theology. um, But, but now, you know, that you've learned more, you're happy that you did, or you did just did overcome. Sure. Yeah. I mean, you know, as someone coming from a Protestant background, Sola Scriptura, of course, being a, um, a big thing for me. It's something that as a Protestant, you know, I really upheld because the way I viewed it was we were championing Scripture. Like we were the ones that were saying, you know, go back to the Scriptures and upholding the authority of it, you know, in my opinion at the time, uh, you know, versus uh, the Catholic Church's view. You know, I saw in my wrong perception at the time that it was denigrating or, you know, or cheapening or lessening the authority of sacred scripture. And so based on my presuppositions, I never felt like there was any way that I could, um, that the papacy, for instance, could uh, be, be shown biblically. I was like, if there's one thing that I believe to be true, I was like, there's no way that that is true. You know, at best I saw it as an accident of history, um, 
you know, whether it be, you know, a vie for power, you know, what, whatever people view the, the papacy as, um, I did not believe that there was any way that it could be proven biblically. And ultimately, like I mentioned, you know, before, that was the thing that tipped the scales. Like that was the thing that, that brought me into the church. So uh, looking at scripture, seeing how the early church viewed um, the church in general, like what is the church? You know, how did they view uh, how did they view uh, the authority that Christ bestowed upon the apostles and their successors? So looking back in the early church, uh, seeing this necessity of apostolic succession, I look at scripture, I see, you know, St. Paul telling Timothy, for instance, you know, not to be too quick to lay on hands. This this whole understanding of conferring that authority to those that, that would carry on the faith after they had died. And then also looking at uh, St. Peter himself and like, you know, what was it uh, that, that Christ was giving him in Matthew 16? And, and also in John, is it 20, uh, I believe, uh, maybe uh, maybe the wrong passage, but long story short, you know, the, the authority to, to feed his sheep, uh, you know, that uh, to give him the keys of the kingdom, uh, to change his name, like what were these things that Christ was doing in scripture, what did they mean? And, you know, did it have carryover? Like, was this actually an office that Christ uh, established? And so through studying scripture, uh, diving deeper into scripture, looking at it through the lens of the early church, those whom the scriptures were given to, how did they understand these things? Uh, I began to see very quickly that, um, you know, the ecclesiology, the theology that I had at the time uh, was not in step with uh, what the early Christians believed. And of course it wasn't in step with what the scriptures themselves believed. So again, it was me relooking at the scripture, something that I was like, you know, dead set and being sure that I could not prove, uh, but was able to, uh, to actually see there right there in the scriptures. It's mm, beautiful. Yeah. Cause I think all the things that you mentioned are, are commonplace for a lot of people who are trying to, you know, that are considering, becoming Catholic, there are just these realities that are, are hard to, to overcome. So I think it's beautiful for, to hear just from you that, you know, it's like, yeah, those were some of my difficulties. And yet I can even look to scripture and find peace in, in that, in that uh, decision and to, to agree with it. And, you know, I think as Catholics, we're, we're called to also view things through the eyes of faith. And that helps us a lot, you know, um, uh, the scripture verse that uh, I, w- I want to say yesterday, this won't go out today. So uh, that's wrong. But, you know, Jesus is talking to the man who, who wants healing for his, his child. And what does he say? He says, Lord, I believe help my unbelief. We say it every, uh, you know, every day at mass. And it's just, it, it's a beautiful uh, a statement. So, now, my next question for you is, you know, there's probably, hopefully, you know, some non-Catholics who are listening to this. What would you, what would you just tell someone who's, who's open to exploring the faith? I would say the biggest thing for me and what I, what I had to recognize myself and any, any um, Protestant or non-Catholic that I've had conversations with um, is... Uh, first, you know, if, if you're actually interested in learning what the Catholic Church teaches or even interested in possibly becoming Catholic, is 
doing everything you can to make sure it's actually what the Catholic Church teaches. So what I mean by that is I've had uh, friends, family, uh, because of their concern about me joining the Catholic Church, have sent me videos and articles or whatever saying, hey, what about, you know, the, you know, watch this person talk about, you know, basically, you know, dismantle or talk about the, you know, the bad theology or the wicked, wicked, wicked practices of Catholicism, et cetera, et cetera. And quickly, when I read those articles or watch those videos, I see that that individual um, sometimes not even has no understanding of what the Catholic Church teaches, but they'll say things uh, that are, uh, you could just pick up the Catechism of the Catholic Church and it actually teaches the exact opposite of what those people would put forward. And so it's essential that if you want to know, if you're actually studying and saying, I want to know if Catholicism is true or, or whatever the case may be, uh, study Catholic sources, you know, go to the sources themselves um, and, and see what they actually teach. Um, and I would also say, you know, if you're on this journey, you know, sometimes I look back on my own and I'm like, man, did I, you know, did I make a decision too quickly? You know, did I, did I jump in it too quickly? Um, I, I, you know, I don't have a, a moment of regret of joining the Catholic church, but, you know, just my own, you know, fears or anxieties are sometimes like, man, did I, you know, did I study everything I needed to study? That sort of thing. So I'd say, you know, take your time. Um, I would say once you're convinced of it, you know, no matter what you feel like, whether it's family or friend pressure or whatever the obstacles are, I would say, you know, be obedient, you know, be obedient to Christ. Christ told us that, you know, following after him is going to cost us, so, you know, and sometimes it, it's very painful, uh, but be obedient. But I would say up until that point where you're uh, maybe not sure, maybe unconvinced, um, you know, don't feel rushed, like continue to, to pursue truth uh, at all costs. And uh, the one mistake that I made, uh, and I wish I could go back and undo, is, uh, you know, if you're in a church right now in an ecclesial community, whether it be the Baptist or what, whatever Protestant, um, you know, community you're a part of right now, I would say involve uh, your church leaders maybe as much as you can. Um, I, you know, in my personal story, without going in too far in the weeds, I did have one particular pastor who was at another campus of our church that I brought into these conversations. It was somebody that I, I trusted, uh, who I knew was like, hey, this guy's intelligent. You know, I felt like if there's something I'm missing here that maybe he could correct me. Uh, but I didn't do a good job of bringing the pastors of the church that I was at into those conversations until it was kind of too late. And I kind of had already made that decision. And these were men who actually I'm having lunch with one of them later this week, who I still love and have admiration for and uh, are friends with. Um, I wish I would have brought them into those conversations a bit more. So I would just say it kind of involved those who've been placed in spiritual uh, leadership above you right now, uh, involve this, them in those conversations instead of kind of, um, kind of, you know, catching them off guard if, and when the time comes uh, for you to make that leap. Um, it, it just makes the transition much easier. And I definitely don't want you to unduly damage friendships and relationships. Uh, if at all possible, you know, I, I definitely don't hear from some people as much as I used to, um, but there are people I still stay in contact with that, you know, are not convinced and don't understand why I did it. Um, but we've maintained, you know, I have been able to maintain some of those friendships. And so, you know, do whatever you can do to make sure that uh, those those friendships are and relationships aren't damaged. So, yeah, so just study Catholic sources. Pray. I spent a lot of time in prayer because the last thing I wanted to do was bring my family into, again, the circles I was swimming in 
believe uh, before I came in, believe that the church was the Catholic church is an apostate church. I did not want to bring my wife and my children into a church uh, if it truly is an apostate church. And so just prayerfully consider those things. And, uh, and yeah, I, you know, I wouldn't say you need to tell everybody and blast it all on social media, what you're doing, but for those uh, who you trust, you know, kind of bring them in that those, those uh, people into that circle um, so that you have some people kind of being a counterbalance and saying, Hey, have you thought of this? Have you thought of this? And, uh, and just continue to, to pursue the, the truth. Interested in learning more about your faith? I invite you to check out Good Catholic. They are a digital media brand focused on sharing and teaching about the faith. From podcasts to blogs to digital series, Good Catholic has it all. Use the code in the show notes to get 20% off your order at Good Catholic. Yeah, I like I like everything you said, especially just the, the timing. You know, the reality is um, if there's one good thing that we kind of learn from our our faith, it's it's God invites us not into rash decisions. He really wants us to to take our time with decisions um, so that we we have the spiritual um, balance there. You know, that the prayer is a part of the decisions we make. Um, and so I think. You know, you clearly did this through prayer and, you know, we're not just making a decision rashly, um, but it's just it's beautiful to hear. And I think it to anyone who's who's considering doing this, you know, everything that you've said uh, is is good advice. Um, so now now I want to just kind of give you a couple minutes just to talk about the work that you do online. So that's kind of how we connected. Um, can you tell our listeners just what your online ministry is and and and, and its purpose? Sure. So um, right before I was officially confirmed in the church, um, I started uh, my uh, I started an Instagram page called the Caffeinated Catholic. Um, yeah, part of the reason behind the name is uh, I've you know over the years have become a bit of a, a coffee nerd, a coffee aficionado. And so, uh, you know, every morning, one of the things that I love and enjoy and I think is a grace from God is, you know, making those pour over coffees right before I sit down, pray, read God's word sort of thing. So um, so that that is part of what I'm passionate about. So it's just a, it was a natural, you know, fit, catchy name, yada, yada, yada. The whole reason I started the page itself uh, was because, you know, kind of like I mentioned earlier, you know, the. Um, you know, people, whether inside or outside the Catholic Church, look at converts. Um, and especially when you look out through the the history of the church, and yes, you know, during the time of the Reformation before, there was corruption, and they see some scandal, or whatever the case may be, they're like, why would you join that? You know, why would you join that? And um, And so I wanted an opportunity to show people, to tell people uh, why that is the case. Uh, and also, as I mentioned, because of how confident I am that the church is teaching, one, that the church is the church that Christ established, but that the church is teaching on the Eucharist, for example, is true. Uh, I want everyone, everyone without exception to have access to the Blessed Sacrament. And so I wanted a, a kind of a platform or an opportunity, however big or small, to share 
my faith, what convinced me to come into the Catholic Church and to draw others uh, kind of into that conversation and wherever they are on that on that journey. You know, I've talked to people that have been in the faith. Uh, you know, they were baptized into the faith and they said, man, I never knew that, you know, or, you know, uh, you know, what, whatever it is on a particular doctrine. And and it's urging them to study more, to study their faith more. Uh, if it's people that left the church, you know, because of poor catechesis or whatever, you know, I want them to have an opportunity to kind of see that this is actually what the church teaches. And then for people that are, you know, interested in uh, coming from those Protestant backgrounds, um, you know, I want them to look at me and say, hey, man, I've been where you are. I get it. I get it. Uh, but here's what convinced me. And then just laying it out on the table. You know, some of the the videos that I post were, you know, kind of comical reels and things like that. And I do, you know, kind of 30,000 foot view. Uh, I do have some some plans. I'm not a uh, super tech savvy, so I'm figuring out the the you know kind of the ins and the outs. But I want to start putting out content that more addresses uh, your your more common Protestant objections, or maybe things that even again Catholics that are in the faith maybe don't understand fully, um, and presenting those things so that it can help strengthen the faith of Catholics, and again it can help uh, kind of begin to chip away the barriers that Protestants or non-Catholics have about the faith, they could say, okay, well, I, I no longer uh, see that as an obstacle, but what about this thing? And just kind of, again, continuing to invite them in on my journey and on, and, and on the conversation, um, and hopefully one day uh, helping them come into full communion uh, with the Catholic Church. Yeah, that's beautiful. Well, I, I'm thankful for your work, and I think anyone who's, you know, follows it is thankful for your work, and and I hope you are able to do even more. I mean, I know it sound, you know, talking to you in a little bit of the first episode, you kind of talked about your, your day job. Um, you know, I, as someone who, this is not what I get to do full time, but it's a gift that there's that opportunity, you know, to, to spend, even if it's just an hour a day, you know, kind of doing this kind of work and um, the Lord hopefully will continue to bless you and and the people that you encounter um now sorry excuse me (laughs) the next question i kind of want to ask you is just about the sacraments you know now that you've entered into the church you know over the last year how important has the eucharist has confession been um and the other sacraments as well just been throughout this journey it has been um I guess the best way to put it, I mean, it's it's one of the primary reasons that I am in the church and now getting to partake of the sacraments. I mean, I look back on, you know, my 34 years prior to coming in of life, prior to coming into the church. And I'm like, how did I go without these? You know, how, how do you do it without it? And I get that, you know, God's grace can operate outside their extraordinary means of grace. God isn't confined to the sacraments, but they are the ordinary means of grace by which he gives us to share in the divine life and to receive grace. So, you know, when I was convinced and began attending mass before I was confirmed, man, I tell you, I I just if there is any Catholic right now listening, let me tell you something. You know, I, I hope uh, that you really understand what we are partaking in when we receive the Blessed Sacrament, that we come to it with reverence uh, and a sense of awe and mystery, uh, and that we understand 
that uh, it is a tremendous gift. It is a tremendous gift. And not to um, not to forget that because, um, you know, we say it every mass, you know, Lord, I am not worthy that that you should enter under my roof, but only say the word of my soul shall be healed. Like we are not worthy to receive it, but yet he invites us in to receive it. We get to receive it. And so as someone who was convinced of the real presence of Christ in the Eucharist and watching all the Catholics as I had to walk in line with my arms crossed before I was confirmed, I was just like, man, do they, you know, and hopefully they did, but I just, in my own mind, was like, do they understand what they are getting to receive? And just kind of almost salivating, like, I want that. I want that. You know, I I couldn't wait for the day when I got to go up to the priest with, you know, with, with unfolded arms and getting to receive the body, blood, soul, and divinity of my blessed Savior. And uh, so it's been essential. And it's in every single mass that I attend, even though I kind of mentally understand what's taking place, um, you know, I pray that the Lord continues to draw me further into that mystery of the Eucharist. And then when it comes to the sacrament of confession, the sacrament of reconciliation, my gosh, what a gift, what a tremendous gift. I remember there was a, um, another Protestant. Uh, he also was confirmed to the church at the same time I was in RCIA with me. I remember at him asking the, the priest, uh, who who did uh, uh, the RCA is the the man that baptized uh, is the priest that baptized my children confirmed me in the church wonderful 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 priest um, he asked me said you know why can't I just go to God like why can't I just you know confess to God and I remember him saying he's like you can uh, he said absolutely and and you should uh, when we confess to God uh, you know we can we can ask that our sins be forgiven. But when we go to confession and when we receive absolution, we can know that our sins are forgiven. When we hear those words of absolution, because we know that Jesus Christ himself in sacred scripture, in sacred writ, gives the apostles the authority to forgive and retain sins. And that that authority is conferred to their successors and down through the ages through apostolic succession that the priest that your uh confessing your sins to, uh, because he uh, possesses this authority, you can know that your sins are forgiven. And I'll just, let me say this, two things. One, uh, ultimately, when we're confessing to the priest, we're not confessing to a man. The priest stands what we call in persona Christi, that he stands in the person of Christ. And ultimately, ultimately, who we are confessing to is God. But God has graciously giving given the priest the authority to uh, offer absolution, that uh, God is, um, that that the priest is the instrumental cause, that he is the tool, if you will, that God uses to confer that grace. Uh, And the second thing that I would say is we understand from a human perspective in our fallen, you know, infallible state that we desire for tangible means, right? Like, so you know, my wife, I could tell her all the time, hey, I love you, I love you, I love you. But unless I show it, you know, unless I help her with the kids, unless I, you know, take her on dates, unless I, you know, do these tangible things, my words fall on deaf ears, right? Like we desire tangible, that that tangible to taste, to see, to touch. You know, we we understand that when Jesus healed the blind man, he spit in mud and he rubbed the, the mud on on the man's eyes, you know, could Jesus have just said, be healed and the man be healed. Absolutely. 
but he understood we need sometimes those tangible, those visible signs uh, that that signify the reality. So when you walk out of the the sacrament of confession, uh, you are uh, for those who are have not received, have not been able to participate in in the sacrament of reconciliation. Let me tell you, there's nothing like walking out of that confessional. Uh, whatever you bring into it, what you bring out of it is is uh, you know, you, you feel like a, a, just this immense burden has been unloaded. Uh, it's, it's absolutely beautiful. And especially knowing that all the things that you could say in there are protected by the seal of, uh, of the confessional. So uh, we see from Scripture that Jesus gives us, you know, the Eucharist. He gives us the sacrament of confession. And, uh, and so being able to participate in those myself uh, was just it has been incredible. I, I, I'm I'm constantly thinking about and trying to remind myself not to forget what a gift that I have. Um, and then again, inviting others into that and literally saying, taste and see that the Lord is good, that every time that I get to receive the, the Eucharist uh, that I am receiving, that I'm being invited into, that I'm partaking in that once for all sacrifice, and I'm being united to Christ uh, in his uh, in his once for all sacrifice. Today's podcast is sponsored by The Catholic Company. The Catholic Company is a one-stop shop for all your Catholic needs. From rosaries to books to clothing, The Catholic Company has it all. Use the code in the show notes to get 20% off your order. Mm. Thank you. Yeah, it just pumps me up. I mean, I... You know, I you talked about just wanting to grow in that devotion. You know, that's one of my prayers. I pray for a greater devotion to the Eucharist um, because I know that there's there's nothing greater that's been given to us on this earth than Jesus Himself that we're able to receive so frequently. You know, and uh, just the ability. You know, a priest growing up always would say it's food for the journey. Um, I love that, you know, cause that's what it is. And I need, you know, I tell my wife, I'm, I try to go to mass every day and, you know, I tell her, I'm like, I, for me personally, I need this. I need this grace. You know, it's like, I don't necessarily, you know, always pay attention perfectly. I'm not always listening to the priest really well, or the homily doesn't move me at all. Um, or I come home and if she really quizzed me, what were the readings? I might not even, especially that first reading, if we're in Genesis, I might be like, I don't know, maybe it was Noah's Ark today, but, uh, but, but I know that, you know, the thing that is drawing me there outside of just, of course, the word of God is, and has the ability to touch my life. I'm like, I'm here for the Eucharist, especially if it's, if it's a daily mass, um, uh, and on Sunday as well, of course, but you know, it's just, these are, this is something that I never want to take for granted. And then you talk about the sacrament of confession. I mean, for my whole twenties, you know, I would have been in a dumpster if it wasn't for the sacrament of confession. I mean, I, uh, it's been the most important thing that I can possibly think of, you know, and, 
uh, it, without it, who knows, you know, but God's grace is there. And like you said, you know, when you walk out, it's like you're healed and none of those things can be repeated. It's like God forgot them. And so, so can you, you know, Amen. move on to his it, it, trusting in his grace and his mercy. Um, well, in my, in my twenties, I was in a dumpster, so I definitely need, needed the, uh, the sacrament of confession. I'll tell you that. And one last thing I'll say, I love that the imagery as we've been talking, I've, I've been thinking about the, the, what St. Paul talks about running the race, finishing well, that, that idea of the runner and then talk about, you know, food for the journey. Cause in my mind, I think about, you know, runners, uh, marathon runners, you know, what do they do is they're going, they'll, you know, people hand them water and they'll, you know, power bars or whatever that they need to sustain them on the journey. And that's what we're given uh, through the sacraments. You know, we receive, the bread, we receive the wine, like we receive Christ uh, to, uh, to, to lead us and guide us home. Amen. Amen. Well, I want to give you now, I mean, we've talked for a while between two episodes. I want to give you a chance for just some final thoughts, anything that you feel like uh, you want to say. And then I have two, two got to be saints questions for you. Sure. No. And again, you know, thank you for having me on. I, um, yeah, I, I, there's a lot that I could say, um, but I, I've said kind of the uh, the main things I definitely would would want to get across, and that is that um, you know the the questions the the questions of life you know who are we why are we here you know is there a God if there is a God you know has He communicated to us if He has communicated to us what has He said and you know those are the major questions that we're all asking we'll continue to ask until you know they throw they throw dirt on us right and uh, and so. Um, you know, I have long been convinced you know, there's moments of, of doubt as we all have, but long convinced, been convinced, uh, that Jesus is, uh, he was who he said he was. Um, and you know, if he established a church, you know, when we look at scripture, he clearly established a church. Um, you know, there wasn't first Baptist Jerusalem and second Presbyterian, you know, Antioch or whatever, and I say that, you know, kind of tongue in cheek, but what I'm getting at is there was one church uh, there, was, you know, regardless of, of where you're at on your journey, what denomination, tradition, whatever, you know, we Christ established a church. The question we have to ask ourselves is, you know, uh, what did that church look like? Uh, what prerogatives did he give the church? Were there particular charisms that he gave? And does that church still exist? Um, you know, and my answer throughout my journey would be, uh, yes, it is. And um, so I'd say that these questions that we ask ourselves, these existential, very important questions uh, we ask ourselves, uh, we need as much as we can, because, again, I'm a husband, a father of four with two more on the way. And uh, I get it. Like, we're, we're busy. We got a lot to do. Uh, but at the end of the day, I mean, these are the questions that are literally have eternal weight. And my prayer. My goal is to be a saint. I want my wife to be a saint. I want every single one of my children to be a saint. And so uh, it's important that we know these things, that we understand these things, and that we can communicate them to our children and to those who we love so they can be saints. Um, And so I would just say, continue to pursue truth. Uh, You know, the whole thing that drew me into the faith is truth, goodness, and beauty. And I would say the Catholic Church encounter encapsulates all of those better than anything out there. Um, and because it's, it is, the, it is the true, it is the good, it is the beautiful. And so uh, just continue to pr- prayerfully pursue the faith again, whatever 
uh, stage of the journey you're on. And please reach out to me if there's anything that, uh, that I can do to, uh, to help. Yeah. Amen. Amen. Well, thank you so much. Um, so I have two, two gotta be saints questions that I ask everybody who comes on the podcast. My first one is who is on your Mount Rushmore saints? Yeah. So this is a tough one. I feel like some of these definitely would, would be static, but I feel like maybe five, 10 years from now, Lord willing, I uh, may answer differently, you know, cause again, we have a plethora thankfully of saints you know, for all the scoundrels people want to point out in the history of the church, we have far more saints in the church um, to emulate. And so when I think of my Mount Rushmore, the first two are going to be about as obvious and on the nose as you can get. I would say St. Augustine, St. Saint Thomas Aquinas. Uh, you know, when I look at St. Augustine, you know, especially coming from a Reformed tradition, a lot of Calvinists would say that, you know, they see uh, they see St. Augustine as kind of one of their theological uh, they see themselves as kind of heirs to St. Augustine because he had such a strong view and doctrine of predestination, which is true. But then when you actually look at St. Augustine, I mean, he was very Catholic. I mean, he said some very Catholic things, uh, but also resonate with a lot of St. Augustine because of the life that he lived prior to his conversion. Uh, very, very similar uh, to mine. And then when I look at St. Thomas Aquinas, I mean, my goodness, I mean, one of the most brilliant men that that. In just in all of humanity, but especially that the church has ever produced. And I love what you mentioned earlier. One of the fav- my favorite stories that I uh, heard about him is, you know, we have the Summa. Like we have these just, you know, he was voluminous in his writing and these brilliant writings that he left the church and how important and vital his theology is to the church. Uh, and yet when he had the vision Christ and, and Jesus says, you know, you've written well of me, Thomas, you know, like Jesus admits, like you have written well of me. Uh, and yet uh, what is, and then he says, you know, what would you ask in return? And, you know, he says, non nisite domine, nothing but you, Lord. Like in everything that he said that he had written and Jesus admitted you have written well, but he said, even that was strong compared to what he witnessed in Christ. And so I think about the beatific vision, what we're all striving for, the moment when God in his full glory will be revealed to us. Whatever we talk about here on earth and whatever we say right about God, it still doesn't compare to what we will get to see one day. And so uh, I love that about St. Thomas as well. Uh, then the other two, my, I would say my confirmation saint, St. Francis de Sales. Uh, when you look at the Reformation, something that used to be so very important to me. It still is uh, because I think it's so instructional. Um, you know, you had, of course, we have the reformers are already working even before Luther stepped on the scene, but even after, you know, St. Uh, you know, Ignatius of Loyola, Charles Borromeo, uh, um, you know, uh, St. Thomas More, but St. Uh, Francis de Sales for sure. He, uh, I mean, there's so, there's so many reasons, but I'll just say he was instrumental as someone who actually did was able to bring back over 70,000, it said 70,000 um, Calvinists back into the church as a former Calvinist. That was huge for me. And then lastly, I'll say St. Ignatius, um, you know, he was uh, a uh, contemporary of the Apostle John. His letters to the church, when I read them, uh, seeing someone who knew the Apostle, and of course, is a martyr of the church and seeing how he wrote, I knew that whatever I was at that time, when I read his letters, I knew that I wasn't that, like how we spoke about the Eucharist, the necessity of bishops, that sort of thing. That was very instrumental for me. And then also, of course, him being willing to die for his faith uh, was uh, is something we can all 
learn from and, and uh, being stronger in our faith. So yeah, th- those would be my four on the Mount Rushmore. That's beautiful. All right. My last question, God willing, one day you're going to be a saint. What, what, what do you think you're going to be the patron saint of? <laughs> you know, so I have, uh, uh, I think it's actually in my uh, Instagram bio. I, I jokingly say, uh, I want to be the patron saint of dad jokes, uh, which <laughs> I feel like in and of itself is a dad joke. Um, but, uh, you know, yeah, but I, I would say that something with, with, I don't know specifically, but man, I really pray something that has to do with fatherhood. That's something that's very important to me. When I look at, uh, my family history, that fatherhood has been something that's been severely lacking. There's been a lot of bad examples of fatherhood, uh, that have been detrimental to my own parents. And so for me, it's always been a daunting task. And something that's always at the forefront of my mind um, to kind of change that trajectory of my family. You know, I want to be a good father to my children. Uh, I want to be a good example of the faith. I want to, you know, do what God has commanded us to teach our children uh, the faith. Uh, And so for me, I want to be a good example of that. And I pray that anybody in my lifetime that knows me comes across anything that I do uh, that that would be something that I would um, show to demonstrate. And also that if there's any way that I can help others uh, do the same, I, I certainly want to do that because I love my children. As I kind of mentioned in my story, I mean, that's a large, large part of why I'm here questioning how to view my children within the covenant community, or you know, do I give them the sacrament of baptism, that sort of thing. I mean, that's kind of how it all started, you know, is concern and love for my children. So um, yeah, you know, I, I pray that the Lord keep me, that I would be a saint. And uh, that's certainly something that I would want to be remembered by. And yeah. Yeah. Well, I think anybody who's a father, that should be their desire. That should be their first desire to be, you know, a, a good father and a good husband. So amen. I think it's beautiful. Well, thank you so much, Brantley. This has been a joy getting to talk to you and, you know, I'd love to have you on again, but um, I hope you enjoyed your time as well. And I hope that the people who are listening at home, uh, have gained something from this conversation. I know that I have. Excellent. Hey, look in. Thank you for all the work that you do. As I mentioned, um, you know, I love pages like yours. You know, uh, was it? I'm trying to remember. Was the Saint Ignatius of Loyola that talked about uh, the? You know, just studying the lives of the saints is enough to make someone a saint. I can't remember if it was him or someone else. Forgive me. No, I mean that that sounds like him since his conversion was based on reading the lives of the saints. That's exactly. Yeah. So, you know, seeing pages like yours, it spurs me on as somebody who was, was so theology driven, like what is right, what is right. But then now being drawn into the lives of the saints and emulating them. And, you know, that's, that's all of our goals. So thank you for the work you do. And of course, thank you for having, having me on. Of course, of course. Well, thank you anyone who's listening. Our sponsors today are the Catholic company and good Catholic Use code GBS for 20% off your order on either one of those sites. Thanks again for listening and have a great day. Thank you for tuning in. If you enjoyed today's episode, make sure to subscribe and check out goodcatholic.com for more details.